know that none of y'all struggle with limitations. You have no problems with any of that stuff. But I just want to say that um, it is amazing to live in Charleston. And one of the great things about living in Charleston is I-26. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so last night, you know, it's all about limitations, isn't it? I, have you ever noticed, like, are always be impressed by the Lord about our limitations? Always being checked about our limitations. So last night, I'm, I'm driving back. It's about 10 o'clock. I'm coming over the James Island Connector, coming this way, coming back into Old Goose Creek. And I'm turning around, and, and you know that they just have to have road construction on 26. It would not be Charleston without road construction. And I just praise God for bad roads. And so I, I was there, and I'm going, okay, people, we can get it right. It's 10 o'clock. I'm missing the downtown party 2 a.m. traffic. I know that I'm going to be okay. It can't be that crowded. It just can't be that crowded on I-26 at about 10 o'clock at night. So I'm coming I'm coming from downtown. I'm like, okay, God, I can do this. I can do this. And all of a sudden, you see the signs, right? It's road construction. And, and it goes to one lane, right? It says, the left two lanes are blocked. We can read in Charleston sometimes. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm going, okay, God, we've got to be able to get this right. And there's people that are, that are going, I'm in, my, I'm in my, now don't judge me because I'm in my truck, my 1992 Chevy leprosy truck uh, that my kids call it Priscilla. So I'm like, I, I, I'm feeling good because if somebody wants to test me in that truck, I will ruin their day. <laughs> their car will be smashed and my car will look great. And so, because it, it's ugly anyway, you can't change ugly. You can dress it up, you can put an umbrella in it, you can put flowers on it, you can spray it, it's still ugly. So, I'm like, let's, let's do it right, people. So it's going to, they tell us, miles in advance, it's going to one lane. Going to one lane. But I find the aggressiveness in myself going, I'm going to beat some of the slow people as I get ahead. So I'm gunning it, and I get over. I'm like, all right, I got this. We're about two miles out. You know, before it gets to one lane, it's going to be good. Well, next thing you know, everybody and their mother wants to stay in the fast lane. I'm like, people, the fast lane is getting ready to close. The middle lane is getting ready to close. But no, no, only in Charleston will everybody go to the, all the way to the cone and then try to get to lane two to get to lane one. So it backs traffic all the way up. Now, I'm saying, Lord, I've got to go home, and i got to work on this sermon. And, and you know, you, you're testing my limits right now. You're testing me with all these simple people that are so selfish. It is just very simple. If we would have gotten in a line... Can I get a witness from any teachers in the room? And we would have just gotten there. Hold the rope, little kid. Hold the rope. Get into the line. We're going to the bathroom. And we would have all gotten a straight line. We'd have made it right through. Right. But everybody else had to fight to get to the last minute to get over. And I watched these people. And then they come. And I'm like, okay, there goes three lanes through. I'm all the way over in the right-hand lane, so I'm good to go. Except I'm the one sitting in traffic for everybody else getting ahead because they get to be selfish, and i got to show Jesus. <laughs> so I just prayed that God would bring hellfire and death. And I didn't say anything. I, I, I said, Lord, you kind of, the Lord's going to test your limits. Right? It's just the way it is in the Lord. He's going to test our limits. There's always walking with God testing limits. So this whole idea of moving forward is just this idea of us really getting to the end of ourselves and getting to the Lord. So when we look at this, I want you to see that 
God always wants us to put us in a place to trust him. Now, last week we prayed for Michaela. We're going to, uh, Gary's going to show you a picture that we've been praying for her. I want to give you some good news. So she was on life support. I mean, you know, she was struggling, struggling, struggling for her life. Pat, Pat and, and Maddie Jackson, y'all, they go here. So she's been down there in the NICU and in USC and just, and just struggling, fighting for her life, on life support. But what's been great is that God has heard your prayers. And so they're weaning her off life support. She's supposed to have surgery tomorrow at 10 in the morning. Now, she'll take a step back for about two months. But there's hope that that baby will come out of that hospital. And so God is really doing a mighty work. And I want y'all to know that I appreciate your prayers, especially Lord willing tomorrow at 10 o'clock. You can be lifted up. But the reason why is because we live in a frail society. We live in a frail body. All right? Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So their bodies break down. We become susceptible to sin, uh, to viruses, to bad bacteria, to bad DNA, to bad cells. All that stuff began to break down. I mean, think about it. People live long in the Bible early on because it was a perfect environment. There was not uh, a bad as far as weather and those type of things and viruses. There's, there wasn't any of that. But our bodies break down. There's limitations. But God has always taken us to that place of limits. So that he can be glorified. So as we begin to open up this time of worship and prayer, I'm going to ask you to pray for her as well. Before we do that, let's look at Genesis 18 and read the scripture before we pray. So Genesis 18 is where we are today. And I pray that the Lord will just show you something powerful in this passage. Hebrews 11.10 has been the basis of everything we've done for this whole year. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.10 says that Abraham was looking forward, does anybody know, to a what? To a city with foundations. You know what I love about God when he builds something? He builds it on Jesus. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the foundation. Any relationship not built on Jesus will not last. He's the foundation. That's what... That's what Abraham's looking forward to. He saw Jesus. Every time you read the angel of the Lord, almost all Hebrew scholars will tell you that's Jesus. He knew that it was Christ, and anything built on anything else won't last. And so what happens, he looked forward to the city with foundations whose architect is built with God. And so we're looking at this year. We're looking where we are right now, building everything on Jesus Christ. And we're moving forward in him. That has been our word of the year. So now, here it is. Moses is writing 100. It's time for the baby to come, and this is it. But something happens. I can't, I, I, I just, oh, I can't wait. Let's look at verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abram near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Now, we're getting ready to pray, but I want you to know something. It's awesome that Abraham recognized the Lord. When you spend time with the Lord, you will learn to recognize the Lord. And he stays at the tree of memory. It's interesting here. That's in Genesis 13, 18. That's after he came out of Egypt. After he came out of Egypt and he lied about his wife, he planted right there. He built an altar right there. He made a sacrifice right there. And since Genesis 13, he ain't moved. Just because we look forward, sometimes that doesn't mean we, we move geography. But we will move in our faith towards him. Verse 2. 
Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. It's interesting, though there was three men, that the word Lord is not plural. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed down low to the ground. Notice the way he meets them. I told him in the early uh, worship gathering, next week we're going to deal with Lot. And later on in the chapter, we'll deal with Lot and the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. What's interesting, Lot... There's two of, the, the, two of these three go to visit Lot. It's interesting, two of the three go to Lot, and Lot doesn't greet them the way Abraham greets them. <coughs> Abraham bows down. Lot meets him standing up. Lot calls them lords, and Abraham calls them lord. Total difference. A lot of, lot of scripture in there. A lot of deep stuff. Verse 3 said, If I found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Notice it's not plural in Hebrew. It's singular. Let a little water be brought. And then you may wash, may all wash your feet and rest under his tree. Notice the gift of hospitality. Man, people that love Jesus are hospitable. <clears throat> Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant, very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seeds, that's 36 pounds, of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf. Gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Then watch this. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which is behind you. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Notice the Bible is going to start getting explicit. It didn't say crinkly and wrinkly, but it's close. <laughs> and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. The Bible's making it clear. The author's making it clear. There is no way for no way that she could have a child besides the power of the gospel. So Sarah laughed to herself. Don't miss that. She laughed to herself as she thought. After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, Abraham just got told, oh, well, I now have this pleasure. Then the Lord, now notice this review. Then the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? And then one of the most powerful passages we have in Genesis. One of the most life-changing passages for every believer. And this is why we read it before we prayed. Listen to the word of the Lord. Is anything, and the next part is so powerful there in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Would you pray with me? Father, we lift up Michaela to you because nothing is too hard for you. There's nothing. Doctors can sedate. Doctors can prescribe. Doctors can cut. But in the end, only Jesus can heal. So we come to you today, Lord. Is there anything too hard for you? Nothing. So we do pray for a complete healing. We pray for a miracle. 
Because she's a miracle baby. And so, Lord, we pray for all the miracles in this room right here. Everybody in this room is represented a miracle because, listen, we can all say one wrong turn, we wouldn't have even been here. One bad decision, we wouldn't have been here. If it wasn't for Jesus, where would we be? And so today, Lord, we want to come. And I want to come with wise and persuasive words. I want to come with a demonstration of your spirit of power. I want to come under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock, my redeemer. I know that I'm sinful. I know that I'm wicked. But I know that your grace is greater. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just under the grace of Jesus right now. Not even deserving to be up here. But only by the power of the gospel can I even have an opportunity. So God, I pray for your church. Would you do something mighty in the lives of these believers in this room, in us, Lord. Do something mighty for your glory. Change us. You will push us to the limits. But it is in that limit there's the greatest pleasure and blessing we will ever experience. That is a call that you will push on us. And a blessing that you'll give us. Lord, I just pray right now that you would change us as we prepare our hearts. We love you, Lord. And I pray that people today would not rest on anything that I say unless it be from you. And that we rest on the demonstration of your spirit and of your power. To him who is able to do exceedingly far more than we can ask or imagine. To the one who is able to keep us from stumbling and to make us stand in the presence of God fully redeemed and fully righteous by the blood and the perfection of the glorious Jesus Christ. It is in his name, the name above every name that we pray. And all the saints said what? Amen, amen and amen. So here's the one, I, I only want, it's on Summit Church Facebook. Here's only one idea I want you to get today. I want you to know that there's going to be limitations. We all have limitations. They're like, I'm enamored by people who push past their limitations. I think some of the greatest teachers, I was talking to a guy. He teaches, um, excuse me, he owns a big medical company. In fact, Marcus, I want to introduce you to him. He's a, he's, he owns this big medical company in Nashville. And he, his son went to this elite school in Nashville. And he said, the greatest teacher, the greatest high school teacher, at that school, this is one of the elite schools in Brentwood. Where like all the big money people go. The greatest teacher is an English teacher who had dyslexia. And devised a new way for them to learn the English language. And by far, that teacher is the greatest. And this man looked at me last night as I sat at the table of this beach house that he rented. And I sat there and he was communicating with me. A very learned man, a very smart man. Wife works at Vanderbilt. Sitting there looking at him and he looked at me and he said, you know, some of the greatest teachers are the ones who are the worst students. Amen. I said, brother, you get it. Limitations can be big blessings if we allow God in. When God called us to look forward this whole year, God gave Abraham a revelation that he was going to have a son and that everybody under that son would be blessed under the covenant of Abraham. And Abraham said, I, I believe, I believe. And God said, you believe and I'm credited you as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. And I want you to know today that looking forward means growing in faith in God's revelation and not our explanation. 
That's the point. We can't take God's revelation and try to make it our explanation. Listen, Abraham tried. He tried to take. He tried to take the promise of God. You're going to have a son. And he tried to take a revelation of God and bring it down to the natural explanation. He said, okay, fine. Genesis 15. I don't have anybody in my house, God. I guess Eleazar, because the way of the world, the way of legal systems, the way the lay of the land works today, is if I don't have an heir, then this person's going to be my heir. In other words, he was trying to explain what God was saying in the supernatural, in the natural. It don't work that way. And so what happened was, Abraham then had to realize, God says, no, he's going to come. He's going to come from you. But then, then Abraham said, okay. Well, he and his wife got together, and she says, well, I can't have a job. You just need to sleep with my concubine. And then maybe Ishmael, he'll be the one. And God says, no, you're trying to explain my revelation in your natural way. That's not going to work either. You can't take a revelation from God and break it down into man's explanation. Can't do it. So what do we do when God gives us a revelation of a calling of God on our life and then we try to filter it out in our natural way? You know what God's going to do? He's going to take you to a pace of limitation. He's going to take you to your limit. And if you, if you want to follow God with all your heart, he's going to take you and I to a place where we are limited. Listen, I, there, I know some of you in here, you're so smart, you, you can just do anything and everything. But somebody like me, I don't like to even smell or spell smart. <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> Why would God use somebody like, see, God always takes limited people and does unlimited things in his revelation. Always. He puts it this way. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God takes the foolishness of preaching. This is foolishness to the world. This is, this is stupid. This is, this is idiocy to the world. But in God's eyes, that guy asked me last night, so I'm sitting there with this big guy. He looks at me and goes, uh, 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 you, you got that, you know, Come from a different place, yeah. You got you got to preach tomorrow, don't you? And I was like, yeah. You know, I lit up like a Christmas tree. It's like Matt Moody at the National. <laughs> Put him in a cradle. Here we go, Matt. And so I turn around, and he goes, uh, he goes, well, we 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 uh we uh we uh you know when they start studying, you know you got them right. You know they start to think a little bit. He's like, oh well, we go to this Methodist church back uh, back there. And, uh, how long is the the homily? You know, the sermon. I said, it's Sunday. I don't know. 30, 40, maybe, maybe not. He goes, well, ours is 15 minutes, that's it. Just 15, 15 minutes. He goes, it's, 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 I, you know, it's like real structured. I'm like, man, if I can just get me up here, whoo. You never know what the Lord will do because you see what happens when you see somebody limited like me. But when, when you see a lot of limitations, anything that goes beyond the limitations, you know it's God. So what happens is the Lord takes us to a place of limit. Look at this. Look, this is so beautiful. This is just powerful to me. Uh, in verse, uh, look at uh, chapter 18, verse 10. Then, uh, so here's these three men. Abraham calls them the Lord, not plural, calls them the Lord. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. 
Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. I love that. I just want to reiterate that. So Sarah, what did she do? She laughed. She laughed to herself as she thought. After I'm worn out, notice the limitation. After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? But then what's the prophetic rebuke? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Why was there a prophetic rebuke? Was it because she laughed? Or was it because of what she believed? Genesis 17. Genesis 17, verse 15. God is speaking to Abraham, reminding him about what's coming, the promise. Remember, when you move forward, you always hang on the promise, revelation of God. Revelation and promise are synonymous in our conversation today. All right, here we go. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah, princess. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. Not your explanation, not Ishmael, not your explanation, not your servant Eleazar. You can't explain. You can't, we cannot take a revelation of God and make it happen in man's way. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of all nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He, what saints? Why the prophetic rebuke to Sarah and then not a prophetic rebuke to Abraham? Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Here is why. There's an answer. I'm indebted to John Silver. This is beautiful, but I want you to understand. The reason why Sarah was rebuked, not because she laughed, but her laugh was an expression of her lack of faith. Abraham laughed because his was an expression of the limitation of his. Y'all ain't listening to me. There's a difference between lack of faith and limitation of Watch, I'll show you, this is powerful. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, here's the limit of his faith. Here's the limit of his faith. I'm at the end of my limit, God. I'm at the end of it. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? That's the limit of my faith. I can't get past it. God will push us to the limit of our faith. He will push you to the very limit of your faith. Took a lot, Dr. Bryant. Brittany right there, she just got a PhD. She defended her uh, dissertation at University of Tennessee. She did her undergrad at College of Charleston, master's at South Carolina, and did her PhD at University of Tennessee. Just defended it Wednesday, correct? Wednesday morning. Now we get to call you Dr. Bryant. Now your husband sits over there and says, I'm Mr. Dr. Bryant. He's looking at you. <laughs> He's like, hey, yeah, go make the money, honey. <laughs> All right, so. But that'll push you to your limit. I've been in PhD seminars. This pile of high and deep for a reason. 
It'll push you. God, listen, if, you, if you've ever worked out, if you've ever tried to be something academically, you being Eagle Scout, that's pushing you to the limit. Bro, they, they, if we're ever going to do something, God is going to push it. The difference why he was not rebuked, so shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Look at the next verse. He's at the limit of his faith. And Abraham said to God, oh, the Ishmael might live for you. Look, oh, they might live before you. In other words, let me explain it again, God. Maybe, maybe my explanation of your revelation will be your answer. And God's like, no. Look at the next verse in verse 19. It's so powerful here. God said, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Abraham was never rebuked. Abraham laughed at the limit of his faith, and Sarah laughed at the lack of her faith. God is going to take you to the limit of your faith if you follow him. He will get you to the point where you just go, what? God, you're going to push me this far? The answer is yes. He's going to push you to the limit of yourself where there's nothing left. Why? Because Genesis 18, 14 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And he's going to push us where there's nothing else but him getting all the glory. And I began to struggle with that. I said, Lord, why is it? Why is it always about your glory? Why is it? Is it I, I'm having this real carnal, selfish, worldly thought right here. Why do I feel like that you have to put me down so that you can be lifted up? And as soon as I thought that, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart to the best that I could understand him. And he said, John, I'm not putting you down so that I can be lifted up. I'm trying to be lifted up so I can pull you out. That's a good word. You can write that and tweak that and go ahead and do what you want with it. You can put an offering plate for all I care. Because somebody's got to be set free. Somebody's got to be helped. Somebody's got to be, somebody, listen, you gave your life for that dissertation so you can help somebody else in that social work, in that encounter. Somebody's got to reach into the depth and bring somebody up. Somebody has got to step in when somebody can't step up. And that's what Jesus did for us. And so God is going to push you to the limit. That is why I pray for you for the national championship. The reason why I want you to win the national championship is because I know you are just like Timo. You're going to say yes to the Lord, and then God's going to get the glory. Somebody's got to stand up. That's why I was so excited you got rookie teacher of the year at Ashland Ridge High School. Why? Because God's anointing is on you. The power of the Lord is all in this place in your life. And God is going to push you to the limit. And either you can mock God or you can just humble yourself in front of God. What's interesting? Huh. I'm to break this thing open. If you look back there, Genesis 17. Let's go back there again. This is so powerful. Genesis 17. Verse 19. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, not Ishmael. No, but Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son. Not your concubine. You can't explain a revelation. You can only submit to it. Right? Your calling. Your revelation. Your calling. Your revelation. The promise. You can only submit. 
And God's going to push you to the limit. He's going to push you. And if he says, I'm calling you to this major, then guess what? There's going to be times, God, forgive me for inspiring. I have such terrible vocabulary because I'm putting my brains out in high school and it's my own fault. You've got a lot of sales. You're going to have to redeem this stuff. But it's going to stink sometimes. You'll be in classes that you just, why? Can my professor please just get pneumonia for about eight weeks? <laughs> Let him live. Let me get an A. Amen. There's going to be limits. But we can't. And sometimes when we finish something, we think God is saying stop. I don't think sometimes when we finish something, God says stop. I think sometimes when we finish something, God says move on. Amen. No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name what? Isaac. All right, scholars. What's Isaac's name mean? Every time I look at Isaac and hear his name, I see the expression of the limit of my faith. That's good. Woo! Come on. Lord showed me. We were getting up there. I was praying with Seth. Where's the, where's the, where's the Muslims out there? I don't know where the Muslims are. Seth and David Dyer and Hayden out there. Yeah, where are they? They're out there somewhere probably acting like they're spiritual. Uh, so we're up there praying to the Lord show me. The Lord was just giving me just revelation after revelation. He said, you know why? Do you know why Abraham could take a knife and get ready to kill Isaac? It wasn't a, it, yes, did it emotionally crush him because he loved his son? Was it emotionally killing him because it was his son? But he was already at the limit of his faith, and therefore he could do that because there was nothing left for God to test that he already had. God could resurrect the dead. God was just pouring out stuff to so you, we can either we can either laugh at our lack of faith, or we can just express ourselves in front of God at the limit of our faith. He's going to push us to our limit, the very limit, the very thing we think that can't happen. So is the Lord, is anything too hard for the Lord? Laughter is all through it. I just want to read you something just out of self. Sorry, because I'm too stupid. I couldn't memorize it. Sarah laughed, Genesis 18, 12. Lot's son-in-law laughed, Genesis 19, 14. All who heard Sarah's birth to Isaac laughed, Genesis 21, 6. The son of Hagar laughed, 21, 9, at Isaac. Finally, Isaac's own failure to trust God in 26, 7 is uncovered when the Philistine king sees him laughing with his wife, Rebekah. Thus, for the author, both the power of God and the limitation of human faith are embodied in laughter. One is a lack. One is a limit. And God will take you. And if you try to explain a promise of God and work it out in the natural of man, you have now limited your faith. God wants to take us to a place. Listen, this is why it's so powerful. Every time Isaac's name's mentioned, the word laughter reminds Moses, I'm at the limit of my faith. God took me to the limit of my faith, and at the limit of my faith, Jesus came through. Romans, sorry about this, I'm adding this, Gary, in the first one. Romans chapter 4, let's turn there for a second. On your phones, whatever you got, maybe you can pray through this this week, and this will be our prayer. If you want to come, this is, this is going to be good. It's going to be Romans chapter 4. We're going to get ready to 
laying this plane already. Y'all say, man, John, you, you early. Yeah, I'm early when it comes to food. <laughs> Romans 4. Verse 18. Listen, I am enamored that Abraham could look at his son, Isaac, and lay him on the altar knowing that God was going to provide. The reason why he knew God was going to provide because he was already at the limit of his faith in Genesis 17. There was nothing left in him except just to trust God. And we say, God, I'll follow you. And here's what God's going to do. God's going to continually put us in places of weakness. Continually put us in places sometimes of scarcity. Or, or, the Bible says, you are tested by the praise you receive. Or, you're tested by great blessings that you receive. Or that, that riches will come to many of you in this room. And that could be your idol. But look at what happens when we get to the limit. He expressed it. In Genesis 17, this is it. This is it. The limit of my faith is, are you really going to have, when I'm this old and my wife's 90, this is the limit of my faith. There's no way. And God says, when you get to the very point that you're at the end of your rope, that's when the blessing's going to come. Because is there anything too hard for the Lord? He's got to prove it to us before we can then share it to others. Verse 18. Against all hope, or in hope, Abraham believed against hope. When there was no hope, Abraham had the faith of God because God took him to the very point of his limit. Is There's no way, God, there's no way that you can have a baby at 90. There's no way. That's it. That's the last straw. That's the last thing I could think of. And God says, it is at the very point where you say there's no way. That's when I show up and become the way. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As it had been told, so shall your offspring breed. Let's keep going there. Verse 19. I love this. He did not weaken when he considered his own body, which was what, saints? Since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. When we get to the limit of our faith, when we get to the point where there's God, there's no way that God, God can show up when I'm in a place of, listen, by the way, he was in a place of solitude. He was in a place where there was nothing. He was in a place where it was not the best of all the best, and God showed up and made it huge. Look at the place where considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Look at verse 20. This is beautiful. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise. Let me put in, God, if you'll give me the grace, the revelation of God. We can't take God's revelation and try to boil it down into man's explanation. That's what looking forward means. But he grew strong in his what? And gave glory to who? That's the difference. John can either live in his lack of faith or I can submit myself to the Father and live into the limit of my faith. And the reason why God is going to take you there and take me there is so I am fully persuaded when I read 
Genesis 18. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Because once it becomes real to me, then it can become real to anybody else. Once it became real to Abraham, it became real to us. Verse 21. Fully convinced. Are you fully convinced? Robert, will you come play with me? I just feel a spirit. Are you fully convinced? Are you fully convinced? Is there anything too short for the Lord? Genesis 18. Verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out, <laughs> I mean, how many times have you been there? Uh-huh. Hello? You ready to get there? Some of y'all, especially with the end of the semester coming up. Hmm? How about them teachers? <coughs> After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have his pleasure? Notice that word pleasure. It should have inspired faith. Here's why. God doesn't put me down so he can be lifted up. God's lifted up so I can be lifted out. But here's what I've noticed. When God brings glory to himself, I get the pleasure. <coughs> Watch. The Bible says, if a man finds a wife, he finds a what? A good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from the above, from the Father of lights, where there's no variation or shifting or shadow. So if, if, if God is glorified because he is good, then I get the pleasure of having a wife. See, it's, it's good when God is glorified because we get the pleasure. We don't get the glory, but we get the pleasure. When you win, I'll say it. You get the pleasure. He gets the glory. When you defended that dissertation successfully, he got the glory, but you got the pleasure. It's beauty when we get to the limit of ourselves. But we got to get to a point where we can honestly say, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And let's, let's just be straight up. Sometimes we, I believe, I can always speak. Sometimes like God, you can't do it. But God always take, listen, God will always take people of limitation and he will use that for a place of his exaltation. So embrace the limit. Be like Abraham in the sense that it expressed your limit. I can't, God. There's no way. But here's what's interesting. Verse 13, the Lord said, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, the rebuke because of the lack of faith? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Will I really have a child? Did God not give us a revelation? Did God not say it? And what was great about, what was great about Sarah and Abraham's relationship? Because Abraham believed Sarah was blessed. You might be the only one in your room. You might be the only one in your family. 
You might be the only one in the coaching staff. You might be the only one in your friend. You might be the only grandparent. But I want to tell you something. If you're the one who believes, other people will be blessed. Somebody has got to stop saying when it gets tough, this is my limit, and let God use my limit. Verse 14 has to become real to us. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And until I become like Abraham in the sense of expressing God, I don't believe that you can do this though you said you would do it. I believe you do it for others. And I do believe that. It's much easier for me to pray a prayer of faith for you than it is to pray a, a prayer of faith for me. I don't know if you struggle with that, but that's my struggle. I believe it for you, but I don't believe it for me because I look at myself and I look at my sins and I look at my weaknesses and I go, no, wait a minute. But I look at you with a much higher perspective and a much more beautification in my eyes of you than when I look at myself. I'm self-deprecating. And, and, and with you, I'm more glorificating. And I see bigger things for you than I see for myself because here's what I believe God can do in you, but he just won't do it in me because I'm in the way. But here's what I've noticed. That makes me bigger than God because if I'm in the way, then I'm too hard for the Lord.
For when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, limitation, and the day is now over, limitation. Send the crowds away, go into the villages, and buy food for themselves. That's a man's explanation to a problem that needs revelation. Correct? A word from God? John, do you give us something? I, I can't. It's too late. I can't. I don't have enough money. I can't. There's too many people. I can't. There's not enough food. I can't. I can't deal with your revelation, God. Your revelation makes no sense. But Jesus says in verse 17, to the problem of the revelation is this. They said to him, we have only five loaves and here and two fish, limitation and 18. I love this. When our explanation collides with God's revelation, the answer is just too hard for the Lord. And I don't know, Lord, if there's people here in these seats, come and get on their knees in front of you. Say, God, I'm at the limit. Or I feel like I'm at a limit. Or I feel limited. And so I'm going to be Matthew 14. I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm just going to come to Jesus. I'm going to bring what I have, which is me, to Jesus. Lord, they can get up out of their seat right now. They can come right now. They can just kneel right now. They can, whatever it is, kneel in their seat. There. Grab somebody. Pray. I don't care. Stand up right now and pray and call to the Lord. I don't care. But God, if we're going to be real to you right now, I feel like I'm a bunch of 
the limit of his faith, then you will take us to the limit of our faith. And it is at that point of our limit that the blessing comes, and then when the blessing comes, it will be a constant reminder that there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord, Isaac. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. There is nothing too hard what God has called us to do. My prayer is for the warriors who I adore in this room. I love everyone in this room, God. I'm going to give my life to you by giving my life to them. I, I struggle because I love them, Lord. Because I love because you put your love in me for them. And so, Lord, I turn out all these because I love them. I want to be, I want to do life with them. I want to share life with them. I love them. And there's so much of you in them that our lack of faith will limit you because of free will. But if we submit and let you push us to the limit, Possible this can happen in this situation, Lord. I pray you show up strong because there's nothing. 